The Las Vegas Raiders have partnered with the global lifestyle app TrueConnect to give the gift of wellness. Transform your mind, body, and soul through thousands of hours of premium fitness content, guided meditations, progress tracking, and more. Visit tcfree.fit to redeem one free year of TrueConnect exclusively for Raider Nation. Welcome to Raiders Roundtable, presented by America First Credit Union. I'm JT. There's Eddie Pascal, as always, and Lincoln Kennedy will join us. We couldn't wait to get back here. We could not wait after a 63-point franchise all-time performance as the Raiders came through in a must-win game against the rivals, the Chargers, and they're still alive in the playoff on Eddie. Still alive, still alive. Yep. man, how much fun was that, JT? That, that was, I, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I went in, I was like, all right, this seems like a game the Raiders are going to win 10-6, 13-7. I could not have been more wrong and couldn't have been more happy that it turned out the way that it did. This franchise has been around since 1960. The greatest players, the greatest games, played in five Super Bowls, won three, and that was the all-time performance Crazy. in regards to points scored. I couldn't believe it. A matter of fact, there was a point in the game where I was looking and saying, they got to put up 100. They got to put up <laughs> 70. They got to put up, because I felt in the third quarter that they were going to get the franchise record, because eight different players scored. It was the perfect storm, and it's very rare in the NFL that you get a perfect storm game where the defense, special teams, offense are all playing together at a level that's very aggressive and trying to prove a point. I mean, it's so funny because you and I have talked a lot this year, JT, about let's see a complete you know, mm-hmm. effort from this yep. team, offense, defense, special teams. And boy, did we see it on Thursday. I think the funniest moment for me is, or not funny is the right word, but you know, it's 35 nothing, and I go down to the car to leave at halftime. By the time I got to the car, JT, it was 42 nothing. You know, I couldn't even ride the elevator down with this team it putting was, points. It was, it, was, type of night. it was that type of night. It was awesome uh, and really, really well-deserved for the players on this field, but also these fans, man. I mean, they, it's yeah. been an up-and-down season. For them to have a night like that on primetime, really, really cool. For those who are watching, let's take a look at the highlights of the game. And there were let's many. do it. This is what you want for Antonio Pierce, the interim head coach. This was a big game because the team came off the bye week and they didn't score against Minnesota, and they came right out. And I like Zamir White. He's got fresh legs, comes from a big-time program. They made a message and sent a message early that they were going to get everyone involved, try to get some balance. But, Eddie, I knew going into this game, the first five plays, there was going to be a couple of big throws. They had to do this. This is an important point I want to make. Right out of the gate, they had to set the tone by attacking deep, getting Devontae involved, and taking a deep shot. And once they did that, it got the entire team going. Everybody was involved. I mean, you look at that second play from scrimmage, JT, and I know it was an incomplete pass, yeah. but the fact that Bo Hardigree said, hey, we're going to be aggressive, we're going to be on the front foot, and to your point, I think that set the tone for ultimately the 63-point explosion that we saw on Thursday Yeah, night. and that was a good opening drive. Great. That, was, that took some time. Yeah. That took some time off the clock, and the rest of the night, no one was looking at the clock, but they came in right out of the gate and took some deep shots. And then we knew the defense was going to play well because they've been playing well. That's a strip sack here. Ball comes out. Spillane makes the play. And then the turnovers started mounting for the silver and black. Yeah, I mean, we've heard it all years. The turnovers come in bunches. And we look at Malcolm Coons right here doing his thing. And a great Thursday night for Malcolm. We'll get into that later. But, I mean, again, JT, the catalyst for what the 2023 Raiders want to be starts on the defensive side of the football. Koontz is playing amazing. PFF grades high. He's in on every play, and he's close a lot when he doesn't get there. But then Aiden takes a deep shot here, and Tucker makes the catch and tries to get the feet down. A little bit of a bobble. They looked at it. And this is really important. Eddie, how many times have I told you and Lincoln coming up, throw it in the end zone, not short of the end zone, Drop the ball in the end zone. And when the Raiders did this and Bo Hardigree made this call, we knew that they were on the attack all night. Yeah, and to me, like I said, it was more of a philosophical uh, you know, kind of kind of moment there. It was like, let's be aggressive. Let's be the aggressive. we got nothing to lose, right? We're coming off of a game where we put up zero points. Let's go put some points on the board and exactly what they did. Here on this highlight, the defense, again, stripping the ball out. That's really important. The tackles, you know, this year it's been about punching the ball yeah. out with Patrick Graham. Also grabbing it out and the ability to make a play here. I just thought that the Raiders' defense was tenacious all night long, but they played with a physicality. The Chargers, like the Dolphins, are a finesse team. There's nothing wrong with that. you got a couple of finesse teams out there in football. This is a finesse team. If you punch them in the mouth and you go after the ball, make plays, and then Jacoby making another great catch, another ball thrown into the end zone, he realized the only way he was going to get it, at is he had to leave his feet. You know, another great season for game, another great game in a great season for Jacoby Myers. And we've talked so much about Devontae and the young guys, but man, I mean, do not sleep on Jacoby and what he's meant for this team every single week that he's been out there. Yeah, he's just a great player and another guy that needs targets. He needs yeah. eight to ten targets a 
game because he's an explosive playmaker. This was interesting on special teams. This oh, was just a will. You get about seven guys around the ball, and one makes a play on it, and the strength of this team is also the kicker the punter, and the special teams coverage, and it, it shows right there. I say it every week, JT, special teams wins ball games. I know they didn't put points on the board right there, but they helped uh, ultimately recording this touchdown. And, man, it's uh, good to see. We talked about the complete effort, and then there it is, another example. Well, Michael Mayer's unbelievable. I think you got to go to him more. We'll talk about the combined targets coming up with Trey Tucker, but Mayer is always open because he's never double-teamed. I've been saying that all year. He's never in a double-team because they're double-teaming this guy, Devontae Adams, with the safety over the top, and if you hit him with some spacing. Eddie, this game was all about spacing. When you go four wide, there's going to be more room for guys to make plays and then a little trickeration here. I mean, the best part, JT, we're looking, we're about five minutes in the second quarter. It's 28 nothing, and the Raiders are driving. Game's when was the over. last time we saw that? Yeah, the right? game, It's been a while. The game was over at this point, and now the Raiders were having fun. Something we also talked about. Aiden O'Connell out wide, love it. Yeah, this is a nice trick play again, too, as they're trying to just get everybody involved here. And look at the blocking downfield by Thayer look Mumford. Look at Big Thayer. Look at him. Uh, and, and look at Mayer right there, yeah. too, doing his job. So this was all about pursuit. This was all about formation. And I keep using the word, and I'm going to use it with Lincoln, spacing. When you space the field out that wide and have that many guys in the pattern, and give the defensive coordinator and the defense a different look that they're not accustomed to, things happen. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I would love to know where in the playbook uh, Brandon Bolden and the Wildcat yeah. was for Bo Hardigree. But to your point, I mean, it really, the Raiders, this is the Raiders that we've been dying to see. From the first week of the season, seeing that offensive creativity, utilizing your playmakers, and having it be more than just Devontae Adams getting the end zone, this was a ton of fun to watch. Well, I want to know where the message came from, and I'm going to talk to the coach coming up on Thursday, and I'm going to ask him that specifically. Where was the the message that this I think this is the offense and the blueprint going forward. Mm-hmm. This is it. I'm not saying every game, you're not going to score 63 again, but the point is you're throwing it into the end zone multiple times. You're attacking, you're spacing, you're getting the rookies involved, you're getting Trey Tucker going with the deep ball that opens everything else. Why did it take this late into the season? And I'll tell you why it came this late. Because it was shut out by Minnesota and there was an edict in this building. We're not going down this way. If we're going to go down, we're going to go down attacking. This is the Raider offense we should be seeing the rest of the way. No, 100%. We look at the balance between the I mean, you go north of 100 yards on the ground as well. I mean, look, look this was the yeah. How much fun is that? Right? How much fun are we having? We looked at some of the stats just in a historical perspective. Mm-hmm. What this offense did, incredible, and it was a lot of fun. It was balanced. It was creative. It was dynamic. And to your point, it was everything that we've wanted to see in 2023 from this group. 42 nothing at the Ooh. half. The all time record was 45. That's that's bizarre to me. When you look at the all time numbers that the Raiders were approaching, as I wanted to see them put up 70, they give up a big play here, miscommunication, yeah. Easton stick. I, I give the kid credit. He was yeah, went there. out there. Yeah, he went out there and he competed there. But there were a lot of players on the Chargers that didn't compete. Uh, the coach got fired. The GM got fired. There was a complete house cleaning after this game. Big and man touchdown, here JT. Here we go. Rumbling, stumbling. Put the clock on him. And this was a fantastic play. As again, you get rewarded yeah. for being around the football and making a play. That's a highlight. That's a Eddie, I know you're going to do it at some point. That's a top 10 moment this year yeah. for the Silver and Black. I mean, we, God, it was so much fun. I think the best part, JT, on that is you, you look at just the caravan of Raiders. Here yeah. we go. You got Max bringing him in. I mean, we got Butler back there. I mean, there is no one. We talk about effort. There is no charger in the frame. You have four Raiders there, and I think just and obviously the score has something to do with that. But my goodness, I mean that that is just it's fun. Look at Antonio celebrating with his guys, saying, "Hey, big fella, you got to get in there a little bit quick." I mean that's just that's a moment right there, JT. Saturday, excuse me, Thursday night was a, a night full of moments. And that, speaking of moments, my goodness, this Ooh. is one of the greatest highlights in Raiders franchise history. Mike Haynes, Lester Hayes, Charles Woodson, Rod Woodson, they've all had great moments. And I'm not saying that Jack is at the level of those guys, but highlight-wise, this will go down in Raider lore and Raider history. Look at Mark Davis, the owner there, the excitement afterwards, and then Antonio Pierce out there, and that's the last time Brandon Staley will be a head coach, at least against him and, and for the Chargers. And what a performance. The final stats of the game, Eddie. Crazy. What jumps out at you? For me, it's three for three in the red zone. Yeah, three for three in the red zone, but I also think the third down efficiency. I mean, mm. we look at Thursday yeah. and how poor this team was on third down. The Raiders start four for four on third down, finished north of 50%. To me, that's Aiden O'Connell being more comfortable. To me, that's Bo Hardigree mm. being more comfortable. Uh, and that's the big one, third down. But, I mean, we could sit here for hours and dissect the stats and have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, if I'm looking at these stats before the game and you don't tell me the final score, 
I think this is a 24-21 game. Yeah. It just looks like all the years I've been breaking down stats, that looks like a 24-21 game and whoever wins, either team. Because, you know, both teams are perfect in the red zone, but the five turnovers for the Chargers and the fact that eight different players scored for the silver and black made it truly amazing. So when we look back on this, what does it mean? It means that this building is all about history. Mm -hmm. You're in the building every day. You see the Lombardis. You see the images in this room. You see all the images of greatness here. That was one of the greatest regular season games of all time, dating back to Al Davis and the birth of this franchise. That needs to be celebrated. That needs to be put in the annals of history. You know Silver and Black Productions and what they're doing chronicling the history of this franchise. This goes right into the book. 100%. And I think for me, JT, as we celebrate and we enjoy, obviously, everything that we saw on Thursday night, the question for me down the stretch here is, who is this 2023 Raiders team? Are they closer to the team that we saw on Thursday night, absolutely dominating a division rival? Or are they closer to the team that unfortunately got shut out by the Vikings 96 hours earlier? So that's the question that we have the rest of the way, but I agree 100%. This is a moment to celebrate. Like I said, this fan base has been through a lot of ups and downs this season. Enjoy every single moment of this because you don't see a lot of 63-point outputs in the NFL. And I want to look into the fans right here and and make a comment. The fans, after the game, I did the post-game show, and the fans, I give the Charger fans credit who stayed there to the end. 100%. Because that was embarrassing to them, but it was a dominant Raider crowd the way the Raider crowd should look for every game. And it's not going to look that way for every game because fans want to get in the building. We get that. But that was a pure celebration of what the Raiders should be, could be, and could be on a consistent level because the defense has arrived this year. We knew that. We've been waiting on the offense all year. I've been saying in this room the strength of this offense is the passing game, not the running game. We want to get the running game going. But we just saw a glimpse of what it could look like when you draft Michael Mayer when you get Trey Tucker, you have an elite player like Devontae, a complimentary piece like Jacoby Myers, who is a star in this league, Hunter Renfro. This is what the attack Raider offense could look like going forward. I hope they stay open for business. 100% and improved quarterback play. Let's not, yeah. not sleep on the young rookie who was out there doing his thing. And we have seen growth, and certainly there's been some, some dips in the road with Aiden this year. But give the young guy credit. He went out there, he executed the game plan, and he made plays too. He, he played out of what we expected, and it was awesome to see. He played great. He did. He really did. He, yeah. They prepared him to play in games like this, and it showed. When we come back, the great Lincoln Kennedy will join us. His perception of the game as he called the game with Jason Horowitz, and most importantly, the countdown to Christmas and the Kansas City Chiefs coming up next on Raiders Roundtable. rookie year man I didn't score till week eight or nine and I'm like man I gotta get in the end zone man like you know it just felt like a monkey was on my back how does it feel to finally get that number one because you know they come in bunches after that first one as you can see you had two today but how did it feel to get that first one off your back and they say hey touchdown good Hey, it felt great. You know, obviously, you know, uh, the guys would joke with me all season, especially EB, man. That's my guy. <laughs> Shout out to him, you know. You know, he'd always be like, hey, you know, he'd say what he did when he played in the league. Yep. And I'd be like, man, I, I can't really say nothing because I haven't scored a touchdown yet. So, um, and uh, it, it's it's great, man. And it's funny because Tay actually just said the same thing. He said, you know, when you get your first one after that, they just come in bunches. You know, after that, it's just like free game. You know what I mean? So, to have two in one night, man, like, it's pretty special. There it is. I think we're kind of onto something here. We know how fast you are. We look at other offenses like Tyreek Hill and the Dolphins and what they can do. And now we're seeing this combination of your speed and the young rookie quarterback that can throw the ball down the field. I think three of the touchdowns were 23 yards or more. Will we see more of these these big explosive plays? Is this is this offense capable of that more so than we thought before? Now we're seeing it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, He's like, obviously, we got the best wide out, you know, in the league. So, you know, it kind of helps a lot, you know, with taking the tops off defenses because, you know, he draws a lot of coverage. So, but, yeah, for sure. I mean, we said it all week we wanted to be explosive. I feel like last week we didn't push the ball down the field at all. And, um, obviously, in the NFL, you got to be able to do that. So, that, that's why, you know, those guys over at Miami, they're really good. And um, I've studied a lot of Tyreek Hill, obviously, you know, similar type, you know. So, just kind of understanding how he does things and kind of applying it to my game. And um, when they put certain stuff in here for me, um, just go out there and execute. Well, you know, my brother, playing for Edgar Bennett, you know, he gets he he gets all right when you score a touchdown. <laughs> but what he really get juiced about is when you put them hands on people and you block. And that block you had on Derwin James <laughs> to spring my dog for that touchdown, that's one that's, that EB going to be proud of. Man, just take us through that play and that block. That's a big boy. 
You know how he, yup, yup. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, how, that, that's how he is, yup. But, um, you know, man, that, that's how he is. He's a, he, you know, he, he's a dog mentality, man. He doesn't like us to wear sleeves, yep. you know, anything like that. You know, he's a running back. So, yeah. um, for him, you're right, man. He got more excited about that than my touchdowns, you know what I mean? You know, that's all, that's all he kept saying. Hey, hell of a block, hell of a block, hell of a block. You know, I don't think, I don't remember what he said to me on a, to scoring a touchdown, but that's how he is, man. Um, we, 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 we got some things going on in the receiving room, you know, little things, you know. So um, it, it'll be definitely cool to see when we go and watch the film, his reactions then, because he'll probably replay that same play probably for about 15 minutes. And it'll show up on all his clips, so. Um, yeah, for he'll, sure. he'll 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 be enjoying that one for a few weeks. Love it. Uh, are you our fastest Raider? Mm. Oh, 100%. What, what's that? What's that forty man. time? What's that forty time looking like? Yeah, listen. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a type of person. Look, I'm a type of person. Just look at my look at my look at my track record. Okay, right? Eight state championships, Ooh. ten four. You know, I just okay. You know what I mean? Lining up against dudes who who say they run this, you know, well, yeah. you know, for me, it's just like, you got to see me. You got the you know fresh hamster. There you I go. No, I don't know. John Jenkins might challenge you because he hit 17 miles an hour. He hit 17 miles an hour on that one. I don't know, man. Tay, Tay had, you got to ask Tay. He, he got some words about that one. But you got to check the GPS because he might be faster than some of the people in our receiver room. We'll have to see about that one. Welcome back. That's our Raiders game day crew with Trey Tucker, who's having a lot of fun as he was running around the entire game making plays. We bring in the great Lincoln Kennedy on Raiders Roundtable. Lincoln, as we begin, we'll start off happy holidays. We can't wait to see you again, even though you're going to be in Kansas City on Christmas <laughs> Day. Let's get the big story from you. Big picture on what you saw in the 63-point performance. Well, absolutely, you know, flabbergasted, guys. I, I didn't expect it to happen, especially after the Minnesota game. But, you know, it was a great breakout game in many ways to me for the Raiders, both offensively and defensively, as well as special teams. Just a great breakout game. And it was it, it was rewarding to see, guys. I think you'll, you'll uh, agree with me. It was rewarding because you, you talk about this season of up and downs, things that we didn't expect to happen. You know, you get a coach fired and stuff like that. All the the transition, if you went, uh, will uh, to to this moment to try to finally finally have a game that was such a great outing on all three phases. Everything complemented one another, and of course, it's against a division rival was very rewarding and 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 good to see. You know, Link, JT and I were talking earlier about kind of the, the youth movement afoot on the off offensive side of the football. You look at Michael Mayer, Trey Tucker, obviously Aiden O'Connell out there slinging the ball around. I mean, what have you seen from Michael Mayer and Trey Tucker in particular, how they're growing more comfortable in this offense and now putting up big plays and big moments for this group? These guys are open. They're open when they're out there. you got to find a way to get the, get them the football. And, and here, here's the problem. Well, the best way that I can put it is that you have a playmaker like Devontae Adams. You want to get him the football. I understand that. But there are times where Devontae is going to be taken out of the scenario. There's going to be times where he's, he's double covered. And, and, and the, the problem for the Raiders, in my uh, estimation, most part, was the fact that the offensive line wasn't consistent enough to really stretch the field. You had to get the ball out of your quarterback's hands. I get that. And so what we saw in this past game against the Chargers was that not only did he spread the ball around, look at the number of receivers that were targeted, but more importantly, look how comfortable the offensive line was. Look how good the offensive line was. They they protected. You didn't have Bosa. You didn't have Mac making the sacks like they did in, in the first game. The the offensive line did did their job, and you were able to stretch the field and open up other opportunities and other avenues. Tremendous analysis is always linked because when you throw it that often and you're that productive, then you get in the rhythm. And I yep. talked about this with Fred Bolitnikoff and. Freddie talked about the years that he played where Cliff and Casper was involved. He didn't know when he was going to get the ball, but he knew he was right. going to get it because everybody was touching it. And I've sat in this room and said, you know, over-target Devontae. I'm cool with that. Get Devontae more targets than we need. But when you don't and everybody gets involved, everybody gets fed, everybody's blocking better. You just heard Trey Tucker talk about the blocking that he made. I mean, they were blocking Derwin James and Khalil Mack. We're talking about receivers putting their hands on really good defensive players and then running routes and getting rewarded. We're looking at Michael Mayer and Trey Tucker now, linked nine targets in this game, seven receptions, 98 yards, and three total touchdowns. If you take them two and you – 
tear them up. This is what we have to see going forward. It's not Cliff Branch and Dave Casper. But if you want to use that analogy, pick any two, Todd Christensen and Tim Brown, whoever you want. You have to have the tight end and the speed wide receiver going so it opens it up for maybe your elite wide receiver like Bolitnikoff, Devontae Adams, Jerry Rice, Tim Brown. I think this is the formula going forward. Your speedy receiver will take the top off of defenses. They will make it. You'll make you respect it. You have to keep a safety deep in the in the package. You already know they're going to double team number seventeen, Devontae mm-hmm. Adams, and there's going to be a, a corner and a safety that's doubled. So now you talk about three players, three players possibly on defense that are out of your you know suspect scenario. You just have to force that issue. And more importantly, you know, what we saw this past game was we saw the creativity of the offense come come around. And I think that's important because if you take a team like Kansas City who were playing this week, you watch how they find ways to get the ball to Travis Kelsey. That's the same thing that you want to do with your tight end. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing you want to do with your star receiver. That's the same thing you want to do with your complimentary receivers and, and, and Myers as well as, you know, Trey Tucker and all those other guys. The Raiders have got enough explosive weapons that they can use on offense other than the normal scenario that they can take advantage of. They just have to find a way to complement it. And I thought I thought we saw that in this Chargers game. We saw them be very – there was some creativity in the offensive call, play calling as well as the execution. I think going forward, that's what the Raiders need. You know, like you talk about that creativity, and to me, it almost felt like we saw two different versions of the Raiders' offense. The offense we saw on Sunday against the Vikings and the offense we saw on primetime Thursday night against the Chargers. Were you surprised about some of the increase in that creativity, how much fun this offense was, how it felt like it was completely separate from what we saw on, on Sunday in the matter of four days? I don't, I don't know if I was necessarily say surprised, Eddie, but I, I, I was. it was a very comforting feeling after you saw it. You, you, you take the whole game. As we were watching it unfold, it's like, my goodness, this is, this is pretty impressive. You know, where has this been all season? You're questioning that. But it's just a matter of it's, – it's a – to me, because football is a game that where you have your 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 sources complement one another, defense will complement offense, special teams, so on and so forth. You saw all three phases come together, and we hadn't seen that. There's been times we've seen offense there show up, defense hasn't been able, special teams show up, defense and offense haven't been able, whatever it is. The fact that all three phases were able to complement each other was something that stood out to me. And more importantly, what I saw, Eddie, Eddie and JT, mm-hmm. is the fact that this team played as a team, collectively played as a team. The Chargers quit. Yeah, they quit they well into the first half. They quit. They 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 weren't. They were just trying to get off the field. It, it made it longer because it's a Thursday night game. But the the Chargers quit. The Raiders didn't, and that was that was very um, you know rewarding and awarding for me to see. There were a lot of turnovers in the game. We'll get to the defense momentarily. I want to stick with the offense because of what I thought was the key, and Eddie brought it up. The nine first downs. When you look at third down conversion, it keeps you on the field. And the, the, well, the hindrance to this team all year has been the three and out, mm-hmm. right? The three and out, the force run on second and nine up the middle. Then it's third and seven, and you can't get it, and then you're back, and you don't go back on the field for four minutes. When they're able to sustain a drive, then everybody gets another ball. <laughs> everybody gets another target. Everything goes up. So, Lincoln, I want you to jump in on third down conversion because he's in the shotgun. They're four wide. The field is spread out. They're running trickeration. They're setting up in the wildcat. They're doing everything differently. I don't know where that came from and why we didn't see it a month ago. But now that we see it, do you think they can sustain this creativity on offense third down? JT, how many times in our pregame did I say that the Raiders have to stay ahead of schedule? Yes, all the time. They have to be successful in first down and second down in order to set up a third down and manageable situation. If the Raiders are in a position where they're third down and eight and longer, they're not going to be that good. Mm-hmm. They, they, they just they, because you don't have the protection, you can't really stretch the field to open up opportunities down. So you have to stay ahead of schedule. That has been to me, that's been the key uh, for the Raiders' offense. You have to stay ahead of schedule, have to be successful in the first down. I'm not, I'm not saying that you have to get you know like five, six yards on first down, but no, you have to have first down manageable situation to where you at least you set up second and third that's manageable. And in in in, in this past game, the Raiders had that. They had that success. So that shows possibly what they can do. It's all about. Staying Ahead of schedule. That's key for any offense in, in the league. 
you know, key for any offense, especially when you have a rookie quarterback, you know, and, and we look at what Aiden O'Connell did on Thursday night, Link, and it feels like we're just seeing those strides. He's getting better and better and better. I mean, we look at what he's done through the season now, 1,538 passing yards through his first seven starts, the most in franchise history, 62.3 completion percent through the first seven starts, best in franchise history. And JT and I were talking about it. There will be kind of, uh, you know, forks in the road. There will be dips in the road for Aiden. But when you look at his performance on, on Thursday night, Link, the young fella played out of his mind. He did play very well, Eddie. You were right about that. And the thing is, is that to me, it's gratifying to see because there have been so many people in the Raider Nation I've talked to that are just salivating about next year's draft, the possibility of getting one of these all-star quarterbacks come out. I'm like, look, we got a quarterback who hasn't been really proven. Let the guy play. Let the guy – you need his snaps. And that's what you've seen. I've I've seen tremendous growth out of Aiden O'Connell this year, guys, because he has come along – there's been a lot of pressure on his shoulders, obviously, but this is a young man who wants to prove himself, and he wants to go out there and do it. So there are times where he's trying to force the ball to Devontae Adams. We saw in the Chicago game, and that doesn't work out well. You've got to well-manage it, but more importantly, you got to give him the confidence that he needs to succeed, and I think a game like this against the Chargers will do that. One other thing jumped out at me, Link. I talked to you about it during the game, is that they're not checking down, at least in this no. game. How many times has the Raiders thrown short of the third down marker on third down, hoping that Right. someone can make a play throwing it in the end zone throwing it past the marker is the key the Jim Plunkett theory throw it to the first down marker at a minimum or you're going to punt and we've been right. punting all year we get the best punter in the sport and AJ Cole because of the check downs and I'm hoping mm-hmm. that Bo looks at Aiden now and says no matter what you do on third down Third and eight shouldn't be impossible around this joint. It shouldn't be impossible to throw at 10 yards. And when you spread everybody out and you throw to the first down marker, you're going to pick up first downs. I believe they found the formula. Again, they're not going to score 63 every game. They're not going to have games like this. But now the philosophy has been uncorked, untapped. This is the way we want to play Raider football. And the elephant in the room is, they didn't feel like they had to establish the run. That wasn't at least my feeling. I think they said, hey, wait, we're going to establish it with Zemir White, see what his legs look like early. He's running hard. But Lincoln, once they got into the passing game, I think Coach Beer said, keep it going. Open it up. Let's put 60 on him. Let's break the franchise record, which he said at halftime he knew what the franchise record was. And they didn't feel, Lincoln, like they were forcing the run just to get to a number of 20 rushes per game, which is what they do around here a lot. They didn't do it in that game. You know, you go into the game and you're thinking, and I don't know about you guys, but I was thinking up in the booth, but how are we going to approach this without Jacobs in the lineup? You know, you knew Jacobs was out. Are you going to force the ball? Are you going to still try to run the ball? More importantly, the inconsistencies of the offensive line running the football without Jacobs in there hasn't necessarily been something that you want to mirror or you want to try to uh, compliment. But they they didn't – it's not to me that they forced the issue not having Jacobs in the lineup and trying still trying to run the ball. They had balance to their attack. More importantly, they had success because, as I said, they were spreading the ball around. It was multiple receivers. It's not just one or two. It was multiple receivers, which I think the Raiders have, have at their disposal. The thing is, is, you know, watch teams around the league. Look, you know, for example, take Minnesota. When Minnesota keeps their running back and their tight end to help out with offensive line play and chip, they creates an opportunity for them to, to sneak out. And with zone defenses dropping so deep because of the, the offensive threat, you have you can get those check down routes that would get you a first down, mm-hmm. but you don't rely on them. You see what I'm saying? Right. There are opportunities to grow within this offense, to see expansion within this offense, more importantly, to utilize what we saw Thursday night against the Chargers where they spread the ball around. There are opportunities out there. You know, 100%. And look, at the end of the day, Link, look, the, you know, this Raider, the Raider team put up 63 points north of 100 yards on the ground, which is awesome. They go 26 for 124, averaging almost five yards a carry. But I think the most important aspect of that is that they did it with not their best uh, complement of offensive linemen. You're down Colton Miller. Thayer Munford steps in at la- left tackle. Dylan Parham shifts to center because Andre James is out. Uh, and, you know, you obviously have no Josh Jacobs like we talked about. What did you see from the big fellows up front, only allowing the single sack, giving Aiden time to operate, but also not putting it all on his shoulders as well and getting the run game going too extremely impressed with the development and the way Thayer Munford has come forward Mm -hmm. really really impressed with his play I think it has a bright future for that young man more importantly I think this line collectively has been playing better and better I think they understood the pressure I've certainly called them out so I don't think they're paying attention to me but they're more importantly they want to go out there and collectively play as as a unit and especially when you talk about the injuries 
You know, you, you got Dylan Parham steps in and play center. You talk about Cole Miller not being in there. You got it's it's rewarding to see this offensive line come together, especially the way not the normal suspects or the normal starters come out and play. That's rewarding because that shows you that there's a collective effort. Conversely, you look at the Chargers. The Chargers quit. Yeah, they did. They, collectively, they quit. Players quit. You could see it, and you saw it when they got their asses kicked. That's why the, the score was what they want. But the the Raiders are still coming together. Most people will think, well, they, there's not much of a future to play on, or what you know, the possibility of getting the playoffs are slim. But they played hard, and that was rewarding to see, especially in, in, at the stadium. Yeah, we talk a lot of offensive line with you, Lincoln. You were one of the greats in the history of this franchise. I think they need a Pro Bowler. They need a pro bowler in the offseason yeah. somewhere, but you make a good point. They are Mumford and Illuminor playing well, and they yes. are. And the interior played well, and we saw what could happen if you move around Parham going to center. That's yeah. an offseason topic yeah. that we'll be yeah. getting into. But what I thought was interesting in that game is that it was an elimination game. We saw Seattle play an elimination game on Monday night, and they won because they would have been eliminated. They would have went to 6-8. Right. They saw the light. And I thought the Raiders, and I can't wait to get dive into this more on radio, they played desperate. And normally when you play desperate, you don't play well because there's more pressure on you. You might jump. There might be an offsides because you're just playing with pressure. This team got up early, and they just said to the Chargers sideline, get out of here. You're done. We're going to fire your coach. We're going to fire your GM. We got a coach that we want to become head coach and take the interim tag off, and we are going to do everything we want to do. You played on that type of team with Rich Gannon, who came in, and even when you went up against the Ravens and the Titans in these big games, you said, we're going to do what we do, and they're going to have to react to it. I want to see more of that philosophy in the building. I didn't see it with the former head coach. We saw it when, you know, they tried to figure out who was going to be the next quarterback in the short term. Jimmy G's healthy. He's not playing. They're going with Aiden. There's a lot going on here, but they found a philosophy, an aggressive tone, and I think the offensive line picked up on that. I was always been one of those guys that said you have to see what you have in the cupboard or the refrigerator before you start going shopping, before you put your shopping list out there. And what I mean by that is you had to see what you would you have in Aiden O'Connell. You have to see what you have out of a lot of these young guys because – you know, you know, position yourself for the future. Every season, every every offseason, I should say, a fan base gets inspired by the draft. Oh, we, we drafted so well, we're going to go to the Super Bowl. Every season. But there are times where you have to see what you have in the fridge or you have to see what you have in the cupboard before you go shopping. And I think that the Raiders were able to establish this with the Chargers game. Now, look, I still hold fast that there are at least three games this season that the Raiders would, would have totally changed their outcome if they were able to win. Three games. It goes Minnesota, Chicago, and the first Charger game. I thought the Raiders could, yeah. if they were able to change those, the, the, come out and win a scenario, this season would be completely different. We would be having very different conversations right now as we approach the playoffs or the end of the season. But now what the Raiders need to do is they need to evaluate what they have in the locker room right now before they start putting that shopping list together. They still have some games. They have to find a way to answer one of the biggest minuses I think has faced this franchise for quite some time. Not being able to beat Kansas City. Mm -hmm. You go 50-50 with the Chargers. You dominated the, the Broncos. Now yeah. the Broncos seem to get better. You still have another game against them. But you have not been able to beat the Chiefs. Forget the regular season and everything else. You haven't been able to beat the Chiefs. That's been the biggest nemesis. So pushing forward, you have to see what you can do against that team in red before you can evaluate anything. Yeah, I mean, if this team finds a way to beat uh, the Chiefs on Christmas Day, going to a lot of interesting conversations come in the next three weeks. But really, Link, Certainly. you know, for, for us over the next three weeks, I just want to see improvement, right? We've talked about kind of stability, consistency. What can this team be in all three phases? But how do we see improvement, and how do they get better down the stretch? And one thing that we, the Raiders were certainly better at on Thursday night was efficiency in the red zone. I mean, we've talked about it all year. It seems to be something that has, uh, you know, plagued this Raiders offense. You get close, but you got to settle for three instead of six. You look at some of the red zone stats, Link, Pretty hard to beat. What did you like from this group on the offense side of the football, especially in the red zone? Well, I like the fact that they didn't quit even though the Chargers did. Mm -hmm. It's just that simple. The Chargers quit. You know, and, and, but, but the Raiders collectively kept their foot on the gas. And I was worried when they got up by double digits whether they were going to slow down and try to be conservative. They didn't do that. They kept their foot on the gas. They kept playing. But, you know, here's the thing, Eddie and JT, I go back to it. All three phases complemented one another. 
the fact that you got a big man, you know, uh, you know, scoop and score. You got you got Jenkins running down the field. He and, and score. It, it reminds me of what John Madden said. You know, when you get a big man dance, you're going to have a big man celebration in the end zone, and that's exactly what we what we had. The defense has been very impressive this year, guys. I really didn't expect our defense to play as collectively as that. Offense has been trying to catch speed, to catch pace. But a game like that against the Chargers, where you have all three phases complementing one another, is very rewarding. It makes you stick out your chest when you walk in your locker room afterwards. Yeah, in the Minnesota game, it seemed like the Raiders had the ball the entire game on their own 40. Yeah. You know, they weren't pinned yeah. up against the end zone. They were the first down on their own 35 or 40 and three and out punt yeah. and you're sitting there going all we need is a field goal or two to win the game and then something switched something flipped in this building at practice in the film room and I'm going to say it again when you throw the ball in the end zone you have a really good opportunity to get a flag first and goal or you have an opportunity with these elite receivers to get them open Mayer Trey Tucker, Jacoby, and especially Devontae. And Devontae's more of a 50-50 ball guy because he's double-teamed. The other guys are wide open. That by throwing it in the end zone, I think the team is going to attack more, and that's going to increase their red zone productivity, which is critical here because we got a great kicker in Carlson, an unbelievable punter. We know they can flip the field, but Lincoln getting in the red zone with Aiden O'Connell, as long as he's got a little bit of time, he's got a cannon. And he can get the ball into the end zone quickly on a rope. And I hope Bo Hardigree keeps telling him to attack the end zone. You look at that post route to Trey Tucker for the end zone and mm. for the score. You wear you, And if you look at it from the all 22, you see the safeties are shallow because they're thinking you're going to go to either yes. Devontae Adams or they're going to, you're going to go to Myers. And those routes are open. Whether even even Michael Mayer in the back of the end zone, those routes are open. You can take advantage of a size difference. Those routes are open. You just have to look for it. Now, and I look, I haven't been in the huddle with Aiden O'Connell, so I don't necessarily know how you have to spoon feed him or tell him which routes to look for. But as he progresses, as he grows, he's going to know that these other receivers are open. Not that you have to force the ball to him. They take it when it's open. And you'll see the defenses really show themselves really early. If you can get some protection, there's a ways that you can stretch this field. You know, Aiden playing free, playing poised, playing kind of in control of this offense, and it certainly helps to play that way when you know that you have a defense like the Raiders' defense, the, the way the right. way they've been playing as of late, Lincoln. I mean, five takeaways just set the tone from Jump Street. And for me, I think the most rewarding thing, and you and JT and I have, have talked about this a bunch, is it's got to be Max Crosby and. Max Crosby right. and someone else. And boy, you look at Thursday night, and this team was getting defensive efforts, defensive big plays across the board. Uh, you know, we've talked about it all year. The catalyst of this team has been the defense link. But on on Thursday night, five takeaways. What did you see from that group? Well, you know what? First of all, you, you, you hit the nail on the head, Eddie. But I will say this. I've been extremely impressed and pleased to see the development of Malcolm Coons mm-hmm. coming forward. Yeah. You know, you've got to have someone who complements number 98. You know the force that Max Crosby is. You know what he's going to draw. But it's very similar to the situation on offense with people double-teaming Devontae Adams. Someone else has got to come along. Uh, players and we've seen that we've seen that sort of progression in recent weeks but you know most of all the defense being able to generate pressure even if number 98 doesn't get back there seeing number 51 seeing other guys get a get a get a part of it has been very rewarding john jacobs as well as adam butler you know these guys have been playing very well collectively and and look when you talk about the secondary, the secondary has been coming up to and, and, and answering the call as well because the defense has been able to get off the football field at times when they really need it to set up the offense. Jack Jones on the interception, that's one of the greatest plays, individual oh regular season plays yeah. in Raider history. That will stand the test of time. There'll be strip sacks, there'll be sacks, and you know they'll forget them or they won't be as big. You know, Greg Townsend, Howie Long, Max Crosby. But what Jack Jones was able to do on that interception was so special because the coach believed in him since high school. So right. high school, and you got to go to Mr. Davis and Mark and say, hey, we're going to make this move. It's going to cost us. we got to move cap money around. we got to figure it out. And that turned out to pay off, and he coached him in college. And that's one of the players, Lincoln, as we look at the defense going forward. I'm always looking forward on the radio. Who do we need next year? And it's too early to go dive into that now, but check mark, he's good. That guy's going to stay here. I want to see that guy on this team. You start adding in Bennett, you bring back Merrigan Epps. You got Koontz, he's staying long term. You got Max, all of a sudden Spillane, Diablo getting better. Now I look at the draft and free agency and you go, you know, there's only one more draft. 
one more free agency class, and this defense is done. They're buttoned up and they're good. And then on offense, if all those receivers come back, Devontae wants to be here, which he should, Josh Jacobs, depending, Zamir White, you're looking at a team, Lincoln, that you're one more draft and free agent class away from saying this is one of the better rosters in football. Well, you, you, you're right there, JT, where you, you want to see players be able to complement one another. And, you know, going back to that interception by Jones, absolutely beautiful. It shows film study and, and work preparation because he read that all the way. He saw when, you know, when when the running back came in motion, the short motion with the 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 the, the formation that was in, in front of him, he saw the fact that they – and he recognized the fact that they want to go to quick screen, the tunnel screen. Jumped the route, made a beautiful interception, pick six. You can't you can't put in, in better words than that. Uh, and I was stunned when I saw it. I was absolutely – Absolutely flabbergasted because I told Jason at the time, like, I don't know what to say. I've, I've never seen such a beautiful play. <laughs> but with that being said, you know, look at look at all the pieces. We've been waiting and trying to figure out how these players can complement each other. And we're starting to see it. Now, it might be a couple of games too late. It might not be the Raiders might not be able to make it to the playoffs, but it is rewarding pushing forward. If you can get a system on all three phases, special teams, offense, and defense that complement one another like this, then the Raiders will be a valuable team. The biggest test is, I'll, I'll still go back to it, they got to find a way to beat the team in red. You know, you want to yeah. grade where you are. You got to find a way to beat the team in red. And you're not going to be, until you do that, you can't really evaluate how far you've come or where you're at. You've got to find a way to beat that beat that team. And now the Raiders need to win all the rest of their games and get some help if they have any aspirations yeah. to get in the playoffs. Let's get to the Chiefs. Yep. That's why a lot of people are tuned in now. They want to hear what Lincoln Kennedy has to say about this. And look, we've been talking about this as long as I've known you, Lincoln. It's the misdirection plays. It right. always, always comes back to haunt the Raiders. Starting a play one way, it goes the other way. No one's home. They finally have a staff. And I think the players who can stay at home, make the play, be right. smart and see the pl- Kansas City playbook without Tyreek Hill. But let's get to the meat of the issue. It's Kelsey again. Put your yeah. hands on Kelsey or not. And every time I say that in this room, I look at video of Kelsey getting a clean route off the line. No one on him. No one on him until yeah. someone says, oh, there he is, 15 yeah. yards deep. What has to change with the personnel coming into this game, slowing down Travis Kelsey? I, I really don't have a, a, a true definitive answer mm-hmm. on how do you slow down number 87 on out of red because you have a one. Here's the thing. You have a quarterback who's so confident and, you know, borderline arrogant, how you will decipher it, that wants to stretch the ball, wants to throw it downfield and will find a way to get the ball to number 87. Um, whether you, you know, double team him, play man, uh, I mean, uh, uh, play a man on man coverage or try to play zone. The, the key is that you've got to get to Patrick Mahomes. You've got to get him pressure on him. You have to find a way to take his eyes from looking downfield and find it and put it on, you know, on a player and, and put it on the rush. That's what you have to th- think about. It's easier said than done. But the big thing is, is I, I go back to, uh, I, I've said this analogy many times with the Chiefs. It's like when you talk about the Golden State Warriors during their heyday. You saw more and more teams try to create a three ball when they probably didn't have three shooters, you know, three-point shooters. It's the same thing. You have to score touchdowns to beat Kansas City. You have to score touchdowns. And and the thing is, is that we go back to the red zone percentage and we go that to the performance, and Eddie hit upon us. The fact that the against the Chargers, the Raiders were able to score touchdowns, that puts the pressure on the opposing offense. And that's what you need when you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. you got to score touchdowns. I mean, Link, do you, going into Christmas Day, do you look at this game as, and say, hey, the Raiders are now built, they are now equipped to go toe-to-toe with the Chargers for four quarters. Maybe they can't do it for a full season, but you know, coming off of a 63-point outing at home, do you feel the momentum is there where Aiden O'Connell can be in the zone? This offensive line can continue to ride the momentum that it's been riding the past couple weeks and say, hey, we might not need 63, but we might need 35-plus to go toe-to-toe with these guys in their house on Christmas. Well, I, I'm, I'm hoping that they can score 35-plus. It's just that simple. They 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 have to have score. They have to have double digit scores. You can't have a performance like say the Vikings or even the first performance against the Chiefs. You got to go out there and score this many points. I'm 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 not ready to say Eddie that I'm confident because here's the thing. In less than seven days, we've seen a team get shut out by a team they could have beaten the Minnesota Vikings three nothing, and then you see a sixty you know sixty point score against the Chargers. Didn't see that one coming. So where do we truly evaluate this team? On the last two games, you, you, you yeah. feel what I'm saying, guys? Yeah, totally. You know, where, where are you? you know, where are we? The the biggest question mark is going to be the performance that we see on Christmas against the Chiefs. 
because that is the biggest nemesis to me, the Raiders, the future, the past, anything. You have to find a way to beat this team that has had your card for the last, what, eight, ten seasons? Yeah, you're right. You know, this, this is what you have to answer. You, you got to answer. I don't care about anything else. If you cannot show me that you can compete and really challenge the Chiefs, we still have a lot of play, a lot of ways, a lot of things we have to develop, and a lot of ways we have to go. Yeah, it puts a lot of pressure on the coaches because in the last game, the last game in Kansas City, the Raiders went up seventeen nothing. Right. The last game here, they were up fourteen nothing, and then the adjustment side of it went to Andy Reid. I call yeah. it the Andy Reid special. They defer. They try to score at the end of the second quarter. They get the ball. They try to put the game away yeah. on the first yeah. drive of the third quarter against this franchise. They've been able to do it. Eric Allen had a great analogy. He said, Travis Kelsey is like your kid's luggage. He goes, whenever you go to the airport, Lincoln, you would know this with your kids. When you get to the airport and you got your kids with you, you got to keep an eye on what? Their luggage. They're going to leave a backpack <laughs> or something. You got to keep an eye on them. He said, that's what happens with Kelsey. You got to stay. He's the luggage in this game. You got to keep an eye on the luggage the whole game and slow down Kelsey. And the last game, it was Rice who had the big game. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, oh, wow. We, we're kind of keeping an eye on Kelsey, but all of a sudden they got a new player in this rivalry right. who stepped up in the rivalry and had a big game. So they got multiple looks. And for the Raiders, I want to ask you specifically about Epps and Merrick now. Okay, they got to come up and stop the run, but they also got to make sure no one gets behind them. How confident right. are you in the safeties in the back end against Mahomes on the road Christmas Day? Feeling a lot more confident than I was at the beginning of the season because one of the biggest question marks of safety was Merrick and his ability to cover. He's going to be forced to cover tight ends. And there's a little bit of a size disadvantage. If you look at most of the tight ends around the league and, and you see where Merrick and Epps are size-wise, the advantage usually goes to the tight end or the bigger person. And then if you have offenses who are creative and and find various ways to get use that side, size advantage, then that, that becomes in a question. But I will say this. What I've been pleasantly pleased and pressed to watch was the fact that Merrick and Epps have done really well in man-on-man -man coverage when they've had the opportunities to step mm -hmm. up. They've made plays. And that, going forward, gives me confidence in this, in this team. Because here's the thing. You can't always play zone. You can't always play true man to man, but when you have safeties that are playing as well as these guys are, that gives you a lot of comfort and a lot of a lot of things that you can look forward to. Yeah, you know, Link, going into Monday, and I'm gonna have to start getting used to saying Monday instead of Sunday. But going into Monday now, I think this has to be a big Devonte game, right? We've talked about yeah. how Devonte has his moments. I mean, he has a great one on, on Thursday night, goes north of 100. But this has to be one of those days, one of those games where you say Devonte Adams brought it, he brought his A game, and he showed why he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. How do you kind of juggle that balance, Lincoln? If you're Aiden O'Connell and saying, "Hey, look, Devonte is the best guy on the field right now. I need to get." him hit the football, but the young guys, the Mayers, the Tuckers, the Jacobis are also kind of doing the thing. How do you kind of uh, balance that if you're a young quarterback? If you watch the you watch the Charger game, you see some of the ways that Bo Hardegree and the offense tried to uncover Devontae Adams. You take him out of the X or the Z position, which are the wide, uh, wide receivers position either right or left. You put him in the slot. You bring motion over the top to take off the coverage from him. That forces you to put in a position where there's either a linebacker or a safety covering number 17 because he's in the slot. You see what I mean? These are creative ways that you can get him the football. More importantly, you're throwing to, you're trying to throw to him between the numbers or between the hashes rather than outside the hashes where the 50-50 balls a lot of times that you're complimenting, you're trying to get him the football. These are ways that you uncover number 17. These are ways that you get him open and, and you make him productive. These are It's also the way that you also contribute to other offense because the thing is, is that other guys well, like Trey Tucker or Jacoby Myers are going to be open up on those sides too because the focus goes on number 17. You find creative ways of uncovering the defense, and I think they're, they're, they're tapping on that right now. Lincoln, last one. I've been dying to ask you this all week. They burned the tape. or They, they didn't look at the tape against Minnesota because it was a short week. Coach Pierce said that on the record. We're not looking at the tape. We're on to Kansas. We're on to the Chargers, and they put up 63. How many similar plays, exact plays, should be run from the Charger game at Arrowhead coming up on Christmas? They worked. They worked. I mean, why not run them again? You you played on a great team before with the Raiders where if it was working, you often talk about Rich only had a certain amount of plays and then you had plays that worked off them. What yeah. do you think the game plan should be on offense at Arrowhead? Well, that's, a, that's a loaded question, JT. It really is. I, look, I'll go back to our Super Bowl year in 2002. Guys, we only ran about 11 or 12 plays. Yeah. We had different formations, but we, we, we really ran the same play. 
over and over again because it was effective. It worked. To answer your question, JT, I don't know if the team is in a position where they can say, okay, we're just going to run this. We're going to run that. We're going Because the thing is, is that going into this past game, you know, without Josh Jacobs, we were concerned. How are you going to run the football? Are you going to run the football? Are you going to, and they did. They still were effective being able to run the football and stuff like that. But what's, what's really difficult to quantify, guys, is you want to say what works for you offensively or defensively going forward. But you also have to think, take into consideration, I still hold fast that the Chargers quit. So what works yeah. versus, you know, what works versus a team that has something to play for versus someone who doesn't? The Chargers quit. They quit on their coach. They quit on the team. And 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 that's why the Raiders were so effective playing that Thursday night game. I don't know how you can quantify that going forward. You have to see what works. You have to take in consideration, you know, over the last couple of years, how the Raiders were able to jump out on the Chiefs. And then you see the adjustments that the Chiefs made in the second half that really, you know, nullify the game and take the game away. You have to, you have to evaluate that. But yeah, I don't think mm-hmm. the really guys, the Raiders, are in a position where they could say, "Well, this works. Let's run this mm-hmm. over and over again." Because the other team quit. You know, it's yeah. hard to really, it's really hard to a- a- analyze uh, how truly effective you are when another team doesn't want to play. Happy holidays, Lincoln. Safe travels to Kansas City. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thank you so much. Blessings to you guys. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Raider Nation. Go Raiders. There he is. Lincoln Kennedy. Award winning. Yes. I don't know what the award is in the <laughs> podcast world, but I give it to him. I give it right to him right now and shut it down. Fantastic. A deep dive always with the great Lincoln Kennedy. When we come back, we'll wrap it up on the other side. We'll take a look at the schedule coming up and what's at stake in the division and the AFC as the Raiders are on the road to KC. Wrapping it up on Raiders Roundtable, brought to you by America First Credit Union. Thanks again to Lincoln Kennedy. So Raiders haven't gotten a lot of help. Nope. And they need help. And a lot of the teams ahead of the Raiders won, which I love to scoreboard watch, and hopefully we get the franchise to the point where everyone's watching the Raiders the final couple of weeks, and I think we're heading in that direction. But the Raiders didn't get a lot of help, Eddie, as we look ahead at what's happening here in the playoff picture, wild card here. Uh, Raiders need help because, look, I think the division, Baltimore, Miami's in, KC, I believe Kansas City will win this division. Jaguars, we don't know because that's getting really interesting. Yeah, really interesting. Cleveland won on a Hail Mary that could have went against them. The Bengals are winning without Joe Burrow, which I did not see. And the Colts continue to win with Gardner Minshew. Yeah, I think for me, JT, and you and I were talking about it before we started rolling, I think that when the season ends, when we look back on 2023 in totality, it's going to come down to one thing, four points against the Vikings. How different this yeah. season looks, how different it feels if you're able to win that Vikings game. But yeah, look, I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in the fact that unless there's a little E next to your name when you go to ESPN.com or whatever, you have a chance, and the Raiders, that they have to run the table, they have to start winning football games, and to your point, they got to get a little help too. Yeah, Chicago, Minnesota, I, we didn't mention Pittsburgh, I thought that was the game the Raiders should have one, but I'm looking at it a little bit different. I'm always looking about staying alive and getting in the playoffs, and the Raiders will have to win, run out, run the table, and get some help. But more importantly, I've never looked forward to a Kansas City game as much as I have this one since the Raiders came to Vegas. I was there for the Oakland games, and there were some good ones. But this is a moment now where Antonio Pierce is the same coach he was last week and two weeks ago. He's fighting to get that interim tag taken off. The entire team is putting all these performances on tape. This is one that could stay with the Raiders for a long time. Make the playoffs or not. But you win this game, they're alive going into Indy, and they'll have their signature win of the year. They've had some good moments, but they need a signature win. This would be it. I mean, Lincoln talked about it uh, earlier just now, uh, JT. He goes, look, you have to figure out a way to beat the Chiefs. The Raiders are going to have to figure out a way to take down the Big Bad Wolf, where that is the Kansas City Chiefs. You're able to do it on the road, on a holiday, uh, and coming off of a huge performance yes. on Thursday night, able to keep that momentum rolling, I think it's going to say a lot about this team. It's going to say a lot about Antonio Pierce, uh, and this fan base is going to enjoy every single second of it, but no easy task going into Arrowhead. Yeah, for everyone at Silver and Black Productions, we wish you a happy holiday, a Merry Christmas. This is a big opportunity for this entire organization. The Silver and Black are coming off their all-time scoring performance. Hopefully they can build on that, get into Kansas City and Arrowhead. There will be Raider fans there. There are always Raider fans who make that trip, and we'll be back to recap the game next week. Get you ready for the Indianapolis Colts. For Eddie Pascal, Lincoln Kennedy, I'm JT. Happy holidays from our entire team of Raiders Roundtable.